How many of you enjoy waiting? How many of that's just the most fun thing that you could ever do? How about those of you online? Is that something you like to do? Call waiting. This last week, I've been on the phone with AT&T you know, a million times, and they put me on call waiting. I hate that. I can't stand it. What about waiting rooms where you're waiting for the doctor and you're a little bit nervous? Maybe it's waiting in line. You get into Disney World or uh, you know, Six Flags or something like that, and there's a three-hour line to go on a 30-second roller coaster. Waiting is tough. None of these things are any fun. And one of the hardest times for Tori and I waiting was when we candidated for this church. Uh, it was a hard time for us because as far as we were concerned, God wasn't moving fast enough. We felt God moving in our lives, but didn't like how long he was taking. It's hard for us to be in the in-between. It's hard for us to be patient. It's hard to, for us to say, God, I trust you when I'm ready to move, but he's not. The Old Testament Habakkuk prophet this, uh, that we know of knew a little bit about waiting. And that's where we're going to be today in the book of Habakkuk. How many are excited about that? Have you ever heard a message preached from the book of Habakkuk? Yeah, it's awesome. See, this is around the time uh, a little bit before the book of Esther that we jumped into last week. Esther, we talked about the fall of the northern and the southern kingdoms of Israel and how that's why Esther lived in Babylon that then turned into Persia after Babylon fell. So rewind a couple hundred years earlier and Habakkuk was a prophet living in those final decades of the southern kingdom of Israel known as Judah. And later, like we've mentioned, the Babylonians conquered it around 600 years before Christ. But in this country of Judah, idolatry and wickedness and injustice ran rampant in the land. And many of the minor prophets that are at the end of the Old Testament, they addressed the sin of Judah directly, warning them of the consequences that were going to come from their sin. But here in Habakkuk, we don't see him, this prophet, speak directly to Judah. Instead, we get a glimpse of a conversation between Habakkuk and God. And big questions are asked in this book. Big questions that you might have felt in your lifetime as well. Is God good when evil and tragedy are so common? Why do the wicked seem to get away with their sin? Why do innocent people suffer? These are the questions that are asked by Habakkuk. And he's very honest with God. He brings his complaints right to God. He sees injustice in the world and he wants God to do something. And Habakkuk shows us that our questions shouldn't push us away from God, but closer to him. When you look at the world today in this uh, first chapter, in verse 2, see if you resonate with Habakkuk's words as he cries out to God for answers. Habakkuk 1, 2. Oh Lord, how long shall I cry for help and you will not hear? Or cry to you violence and you will not save? Why do you make me see iniquity and why do you idly look at wrong? Destruction and violence are before me. Strife and contentions arise. So the law is 
paralyzed and justice never goes forth for the wicked surround the righteous. So justice goes forth perverted. Wait a minute, Habakkuk. You can't talk to God like that, right? But we get an inside look of this struggle that Habakkuk is having with the evil that he sees in the world and the goodness that he knows uh, that is God. And he's got questions. These two things don't seem to add up. He says, oh God, how long will we have to wait? How long shall I cry out for your help? Sin and violence are all around me and it seems like you're doing nothing. Sorrow and suffering abound and the law seems to be paralyzed, ineffective. Justice is broken. And the people that are in charge of bringing justice have perverted it. Habakkuk's hurting for the hurting people around him. And he knows that Judah is wicked and in trouble. But here's the important thing. You might say, well, Habakkuk, that seems like you're you know, being a little harsh with God, maybe even a little bit disrespectful. But here's the thing. Habakkuk knew who to take his problems to. He took his problems to the one that could do something about it. See, too often those questions that we have keep us away from God. And we hold those things in our heart and we become bitter at God and we become angry at God. But Habakkuk says, God, I love you and God, I know you're good. Why do these things not add up? And Habakkuk took it to the one that could do something about it. And here's the awesome thing. We don't see God throw down a lightning bolt and hit Habakkuk, right? We don't see him, you know, just ream him out. God answers Habakkuk. But it's probably not the answer that Habakkuk was looking for. Habakkuk 1.5. God tells him, look among the nations and see, wonder and be astounded. For I am doing a work in your days that you would not believe if I told you. Even when God's silent, he is working. And God says, look, I am doing some things that you wouldn't even understand if I told you. I'm working behind the scenes to solve this problem of wickedness, of a country that has turned its back on me. But in the next few verses, he goes on to say, God says, look, I'm raising up the Chaldeans, or in other words, the Babylonians. And they're a fast and a fierce army. Violent army, they're meaner than wolves and faster than lepers, and they laugh at every fortress. This wicked army worships their own strength as their God. God tells Habakkuk of this future fall of the southern kingdom, and and that's where we saw Esther, right? After all of that, the hands of the Babylonians are going to come and wipe out Judah. This is not the justice that Habakkuk was looking for. See, we often want justice to pour out on everyone else except for when we're the one on trial, right? Then we want mercy. Habakkuk says to God, wait a minute, Judah is wicked, yeah, but the Babylonians are way worse. God, you know they're even more wicked than us. Why are you using them to judge us? We like to play that game, right? We put up our defenses and deflect our sin by pointing out the sin of others. Habakkuk says in verse 13, 
You who are of purer eyes than to see evil and cannot look at wrong. Why do you idly look at traitors and remain silent when the wicked swallow up the man more righteous than he? Habakkuk says, look, wait a minute, God. Why are you using these wicked people for your purpose? When I asked uh, for help and I asked you what was going on, this wasn't what I was expecting. These Babylonians, they don't even worship you. They are pagan. They don't follow you. But God's showing Habakkuk that Judah doesn't follow him either. They've turned their back on God and they've fallen headlong into sin. And Habakkuk wrestles with the why of all of this. Why, God? Now I've got answers, but now I'm even more confused than I was before. Pastor Terry Streeter preached a message on this next portion and it helped me a lot when looking through this. In Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 1. We see what Habakkuk does next. He says, I will take my stand at my watch post, station myself on the tower, and look out to see what he will say to me and what I will answer concerning my complaint. See, many times when we have these questions, we have complaints, we have issues, when we have doubts, when we have fears, we often never slow down long enough to take the things to God and then wait, wait, wait for the answers. We're impatient. We don't like waiting. We have this tendency to believe that if God doesn't answer right away, that it means he won't answer at all, but that's not true. Waiting is a common struggle for God followers throughout history, waiting for deliverance, waiting for the Messiah, and now waiting for Jesus to return. The lyrics to that song that we sing are true. Even when we don't feel it, he's working. Even when we don't see it, he's working. And he has proven that throughout history, and it's true in your struggle today. So wait on the Lord. Habakkuk goes up to this tower where the guards of the city would watch for enemies. And he literally waits for God to tell him what's going on. And he's looking for God uh, to help. God, why are you letting wickedness run rampant in Judah? And why are you going to judge Judah with a country that's even more wicked than we are? He lodges this complaint with the one that can do something about it. And then he waits. We don't know how long he waited. For us, it's the difference between verse 1 and verse 2. But who knows how much time was in between before God answered him. In my life, it's been very rare that God has answered me in my heart without a significant time of waiting. Maybe it's because my brain is too noisy with fears, or maybe I haven't decided yet that I would follow God if he gave me the answer that I didn't like. You know, God, you tell me what you want to do first, and then I'll decide what I want to do. But he's either God or he's not. And his way is always better than our way. In verse 2, God tells Habakkuk to grab a pen and paper, but he's about to give him a message. He says, write this down. Verse 2, up on that tower, Habakkuk answers, uh, gets answered from God. And the Lord answered me, write the vision 
Make it plain on tablets so that he may uh, run who reads it. For still the vision awaits its appointed time. It hastens to its end. It will not lie. Check out this next part. It says, if it seems slow, wait for it. It will surely come. It will not delay. God says, here's your answer. You can trust it. And when it seems like the answer's not happening, don't worry. It may be slow, but it's not because it's late. Wait for it. God would use the the Babylonians to judge Judah for their sin. And it may have taken years, but it will happen, and it did. But next week, we're going to see the second half of this book. And we're going to see that God answers Habakkuk. And he promised to them that the Babylonians would also be judged for their sin. And it may take years, but it will happen. And it did. Babylon would fall and the wicked would be punished. So let's pull out four things in this text that we get to see about God. The first is this. God knows the future. God knows the future. God gave Habakkuk a picture, what was coming next, a vision. God had a plan. See, too often in our personal lives, in our churches, we try to gather ideas from everyone around us what to do. And we uh, talk about it constantly and we worry and then we try and come up with a plan. And many times we don't take the time to wait on God to give us the answer. But see, what if the answer that God has for us doesn't make sense? What if the answer is for David to face Goliath? No friend group or committee is going to tell you to do that. With our friends as humans, we like to bring people back down to earth, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know that God could use you to change the world, but have you thought about a job that maybe paid a little more? Instead, we should tell people that purpose trumps paycheck every time. Take the job that God is leading you to. Why? Because either he is God or he is not. God knows the future and he has the answers. Habakkuk knew who to take his doubts to and his fears and his questions to. And then he waited on God and God gave him the answers. As a church, we ought to be asking ourselves constantly, what are God's goals for our church and where do I fit in? Are God's goals for us to have a big bank account or a pristine campus or to have a bunch of programs that make church members more comfortable? Is that what God's goal for us is? Or is it to worship and gather together to lift up his name and to grow and live in gospel community and relationship with each other and to give and serve on mission together? Where do I fit into those goals? How are you working those things out in your life? God has the answers. God has a plan. He knows the future. God has a vision of what happens next. And I can tell you these things. The vision that God has for your life and for our church is to see unchurched friends come to God. Why? Because God is not willing that any should perish. 
It includes seeing the poor and the hurting people in the community being helped, motivated by the love of Jesus Christ. These are things that we can be sure that are in God's plan for us. It includes the gospel message pushing into every dark corner of this county. And we must also remember that God never contradicts himself. God has given us his word. God's given us the Bible. And he will never tell us to do something that conflicts with this book right here. God is never going to lead you and and direct you to lie to your spouse. It's just not going to happen. But you have, have you asked God where you fit in? Are you willing to wait on the answer? Are you willing to accept the answer when God gives it to you? God knows the future. And God is able to do bigger things than we ever can think he could. Even when it looks rough. Even when it looks hard. Even when things aren't going the way that we wish they would. God can do bigger things than we could ever imagine. It tells us that in Ephesians 3.20. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we can ask or think according to the power at work within us. God is infinitely creative and he can come up with far better solutions than we could ever imagine. And he knows the future. Number two, God's answers have a time. Habakkuk 2.3, he said, for still the vision awaits its appointed time. See, sometimes God speaks to our hearts and gives us answers for things that aren't right now. God began moving in my heart about taking steps towards becoming a senior pastor six years before it ever happened. I felt God moving me to to go ahead and uh, begin a master's degree in pastoral theology. And I did that, even though I I thought it was kind of weird. And then uh, God began uh, to move in my heart three years after that begin pursuing that. And then it was a year after that. But too often we get bogged down. And it was hard. I'm not saying that I have it all figured out. And it's oftentimes where things look like, you know, maybe I heard that wrong. Maybe God wasn't really doing that. And things get tough. See, God's answers have a time. Don't get lost in the weeds. Don't give up in the waiting. Prepare now for what God is calling you to do tomorrow. So what answers has God already given you that you have given up on already because it's taking too long? Maybe there's time to pick those things back up. Maybe it was a long time ago God began moving in your heart about starting some type of ministry or starting a life group or or going and doing something, a mission. I don't know what it is. But it took too long, and you gave up on it. What are those things that God's already answered you about? Prepare now for what God's calling you to do tomorrow. Maybe there's still time to pick those things back up. See, we can't rush God's will. Everything has a season. God knows the future. God's answers have a time. Number three, don't give up on the answers. Wait for it. Habakkuk 2.3, he says, if it seems slow, wait for it. It surely will come. It will not delay. Judgment was coming for the wicked Babylonians, but it was going to come after the judgment that was coming for the wicked people of Judah. 
Don't give up when evil seems like it's going to win. See, we know the end of the book. God wins. We have the victory in Christ Jesus. Don't get discouraged when you look out on this world and you think to yourself, I don't understand what God's doing. I don't get it. The government did this, or uh, the, the society's doing this, or the culture's doing this, and it seems like there's no way out. It seems like it, evil has won once and for all. Don't give up on the answers. Wait for it. Prophet Jeremiah had these same questions that Habakkuk had in Jeremiah 12.1. You can see Jeremiah kind of reassuring himself and really telling himself that God's righteous, right? You ever do that where it's like, I know you're good, God. I know you're good. And you're not telling him, you're telling your own heart, right? Well, Jeremiah says, righteous are you, Lord. And when I complain to you, yet I will plead my case before you. And then he gets down to the truth. He says, why does the way of the wicked prosper? Why do all who are treacherous thrive? In your job, at your work, it may seem like the people that have the least integrity and the least character are the ones that get promoted the fastest. But do right. Choose to do what's right. And that God will put you where he wants you to go if you will follow him. Remember that purpose trumps paycheck every time. No amount of money is worth sacrificing your integrity. Parents, you may wonder sometimes how much your kids are catching of what you're trying to teach them. Every time this subject of doing what's right comes up, this song from my childhood comes back into my mind. And it says, do right till the stars fall. Do right till the last call. Do right when no one else will stand by you. Do right when you're all alone. Do right though it's never known. Do right since you love the Lord. Do right. Do right. Don't give up on the answers, even when you have to wait. Wait on the Lord. Abraham waited 25 years for his son, Isaac. David waited 17 years for God to, uh, after God told him he was going to be the next king, till it happened. 17 years. The Jewish people waited 42 generations for the Messiah. And we have waited over 2,000 years for Jesus to come back. Wait on the Lord. Waiting isn't bad. Waiting can push us closer to Christ. That brings us to number four. Have faith. God knows the future. God's future has a time. And the answers have a time. Don't give up on the answers. Wait for it and have faith. Habakkuk 2.4. Behold, his soul is puffed up. He's talking about the wicked and the evil that look like they're going to win. It's not upright within him. But the righteous shall live by his faith. Waiting is hard. Have faith. Even when it doesn't look like he is moving. Have faith. But why? Why are these things happening? Tony Evans tells us that the book of Habakkuk prompts us to look at the who when we don't understand the why. Look at the who when you don't understand the why. Remember who God is. God is good. God is powerful. God is in control. And I will have faith and I will trust him even when I don't understand the why. And when the why doesn't make sense, remember who God is. 
The enemy may be puffed up and he may have uh, thought he had won in your life in this world. But the righteous, it says, shall live by faith. Even if you don't have the answer yet. And even when the answer doesn't make sense. Or even when the answer isn't for today. Have faith. Why? Because you know who God is. The New Testament echoes this phrase in Galatians and Romans and Hebrews when it says the just shall live by faith. That's not a one-time action. That's not the just will decide to live by faith one day. It's a constant reminder for your heart to have faith, to live by it. That's my motto. Even when things are rough, even when things are scary, I'm going to have faith. I'm going to live by it. It's a a way of life. It's choosing every day to remember who you are and whose you are. Because if you're a follower of Jesus today, you're his. And he will take care of you. So start to live like it. Live like God wants to take care of you. Faith is belief in action. It's one thing to say, I believe in God. and It's another thing completely to say, I believe that God is good. I believe that God is in control and he is powerful enough. And then I'm going to take steps in my life based on that belief. Faith is taking steps when you don't have the full picture. So keep walking, have faith. Remember back to the beginning, Habakkuk started this conversation with God like this. He said, oh God, how long shall I cry for your help and you will not hear? God heard his cry. He heard his doubts. He heard his fears. He heard his complaints. And God reminded Habakkuk that he knows the future. He has the answers. His answers have a time. Not to give up when the answers doesn't seem like it's for right now. And to wait. To wait for it and have faith. It's even harder in this situation because the plans that God had were not what Habakkuk was hoping for. Habakkuk, I think, was praying for revival to happen in his country. For people to turn their ways back to God like we see in the book of Jonah in the country of Nineveh. Where Jonah comes and says this like shortest message ever recorded. Like repent. And they're like okay. Sometimes that's not what happens. And sometimes what actually happens is judgment falls because the people won't repent. But judgment is a mercy as well. Because judgment is during our lifetime. When we still have a chance to turn around, God says, get right. And we have a chance to do it. It's God honking the horn as we're about to drive off a cliff. Instead of just letting us drive off to our own destruction. And if judgment has come in your life because you won't turn around, it's a blessing. It is a mercy for God to try and get your attention today. And that might happen for us as a country, as a world. There may be times where we're going to pray for God to turn the ship around and God's going to say, look, I hear what you're saying. I get what you're saying. But what's actually going to happen is judgment. And you're going to have to trust that I'm good 
and that I am in control, and that I know what I'm doing. These plans that God had were not what Habakkuk was hoping for, but he trusted God. It's hard to wait. It's hard being in that in-between. It's hard to be patient. It's hard to say, God, I trust you when you're ready to move, but God isn't ready. But here's the point. Take your fears and questions to God every time. Wait on him. And when you get the answers, prepare for the next season. If you know it's going to rain, you're going to bring your umbrella. So, hey, today, start getting ready for what God's speaking to your heart about. Take steps and then wait for it. Now, in our lives, in everyone's life, ultimately, Jesus is the answer to every single one of our problems. And praise God when we accept that gift of salvation. Wicked people like me don't always get the punishment that we deserve. Jesus took my place. How can you help but love and follow a God like that? You know, I wish every message was everything's going to be okay, right? I wish every message could be if you just, you know, have faith that you're going to, your bank account's going to fill up and you're going to be healed right away, and no loved one's ever going to die. But it's not true. It's not what the Bible tells us. And so I have to preach messages like this that say, hey, you're going to be disappointed sometimes. There's going to be times where those fears do come true. There's going to be times when you're in a dark place, and you're going to have to wait there. But back teaches us what's to do when that happens. And if we don't talk about this, then when we get in those places, we think it's all about us. Well, maybe God hates me. Maybe I wasn't, didn't have enough faith. But that's not always what it is. Sometimes the thing is, is that life is hard. Sometimes our hopes and dreams are dashed. But we see here with Habakkuk, he teaches us what to do. Who to go to. You take your doubts and your fears and your complaints straight to the God that can do something about it. And maybe he doesn't calm the storm around you, but maybe he calms your heart in the middle of a storm. And that's just as much of a miracle. Take your fears and your hardships and your concerns to God. Don't get angry. Don't get bitter. Don't be scared to talk to him about these times where you're like, God, I don't get it. It feels like you ought to be doing something in this situation and you're not. And that doesn't make sense to me. That is a sincere prayer. And that is a prayer that God honored Habakkuk for. And God gave Habakkuk some answers. And maybe that's really what's keeping us from God. Is we're putting on a facade as if everything's okay. Now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. When on the inside, we're like, God, I don't get what's going on in my life. Have faith. Take your answers to the, uh, your questions to the one that can do something about it. Might not answer you the way that you expect him to answer you. The answers that he gives you might not be for right now. It might be after a long period of waiting. But when you don't understand why, remember 
the who. God is good, God is powerful, and God is in control. Have faith. With every head's bowed and eyes closed. Heavy message today. But we remember that ultimately, all of our answers are found in Jesus Christ. He is the way, he is the truth, he is the life. And every fear and doubt finds its answer in the cross. All sin and all brokenness, all hurt, pain, death, fear, all of it is answered on that hill called Calvary. Because Jesus defeated it all. And if you put your faith and trust in Jesus today as the only means for your salvation, then you can look forward to a victory when all those questions are answered. Have faith. Follow Jesus today. Dear Jesus, we love you. God, I pray you would help us always to run to you when we have doubts and questions. Instead of just going and taking a poll of popular opinion, God, I pray that you would help us to take our questions to you. And then wait. And listen. Be honest. Pray for that one today that has had these deep questions in them that they've been afraid to ask. Maybe it was because of the death of a loved one. Maybe it was because of a diagnosis or a job that they were let go from or even just, God, what are you doing with this pandemic that we're in? What is going on? What are you doing with this social unrest? Culture seems broken. People constantly are turning their back on you. We can begin to get impatient and lose hope. God, help us not to let these questions put distance between us and you, but rather draw us in closer. We trust you. Maybe you're here today and you don't know for sure that you are a God follower, a Jesus follower. You can't go back and look in a time in your life when you understand that you needed a Savior. You can't remember a time where you called out to God and said, God, I know I'm a sinner. I know that I'm not good enough because I'm not perfect. I know that sin broke the world and I've participated in it. And because of that, I need that gift that you gave us on the cross, that gift called salvation. Jesus in my place. Paying the debt of my sin. Maybe that's you right now need to call out to God once and for all. You might not have all the answers. You might not know everything. But you believe today that Jesus is enough. You call out to Jesus right now. Words aren't important, not a magic prayer. You could call out with something like this. Dear Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. 
And I know because of my sin that I deserve hell. God, please forgive me. I'm turning from my sin and I'm turning to you. I put my faith in what you did on the cross. Your death, your burial, your resurrection. And I believe that you paid the wages of my sin. Please save me. That's you today. I'd love you to reach out to me, whether it's, you know, just telling me here in person in just a few minutes or through an email or through Facebook or something. You just let me know, hey, I made that choice today. I wasn't playing games with God. I made that choice once and for all. I'd love to tell you what's next. Let's all stand. We'll sing and take time to worship this God. You're in that waiting today and you're in those questions today. This is a perfect time to let those things go and to give them to God and to worship Him.